snowy day. I'm so happy for you that you're not going looking for litter underneath the snow. That makes me happy for you. Just such good news. Um, and thank you for moving forward. Uh, that helps my insecurities uh, be overcome, just the fact you've moved forward. In, in fact, I don't know about you, but sometimes you can feel very insecure, can't you? And just when you especially, and this sounds strange, you know, but sometimes when you're in the presence of God, it isn't this wonderful experience we sing about sometimes. Sometimes it can make us feel bad about ourselves. I, I, you know, I, I, there's plenty of people in the Bible who felt that way. You're looking shocked at me. Um, you know, Isaiah, wretched man, that, you know, woe is me. And so, you know, sometimes I feel like that. Sometimes I go into the presence of God and I can sense his presence. And suddenly I become really aware of my own self-centeredness of my own selfishness, of life is all about how people should be making Dave happy. And suddenly my selfishness and my self-centeredness and wanting to look good, wanting to appear good, can suddenly just become so apparent. Uh, this happened to me just a, you know, recently, just, just crying and literally tears coming down my face just in a quiet, I'm just reading the Bible in the presence of God, realizing, Lord, it's so much about me, it's so little about you. And Everywhere I go, sort of the atmosphere, I want it thick with the presence of Dave <laughs> rather than thick with the presence of God. And just repenting and saying, crying out to God, Lord, forgive me. And just being amazed and um, uh, just, just not understanding that I can actually live in the presence of God even though I've behaved like that in the past. And, uh, and yet, you see, this is the wonderful thing. Yet, even in those moments... I can still hear God speaking to me in that inner voice saying, I love you. I love you, Dave Emmett. But Lord, there's no reason why you should. I'm a wretched man. I, I, I don't deserve your love. And, and those who know me well would probably agree with that. You don't deserve God's love, Dave. And, 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 and yet he still says to me, I love you. You see, we are loved lovers, loving others, but we, we sometimes, we, we, we've got to get this part of our identity certain and sure that we are actually loved yeah. by God. Um, you know, I can say, God loves Dave Emmett. <coughs> I, 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 even in moments like that, it can be very real when I realize, I know that I know that I know that God loves Dave Emmett. Do you know God loves you? Can you say it? Why don't we all say it together? I'm going to say my name. You say your name. God loves Dave Emmett. Let's say it again. Everybody together. Come on. You can say it. It's the truth. God loves Dave Emmett. Do you believe that? Um, you see, even when we've turned our back on him, even when we've wandered away from our loving father, as you heard Richard preach recently, uh, there's a father who, when we return from the pigsty, when we come to ourselves, who puts his loving arms around us, as in Luke 15, that story of the prodigal, puts his loving arms around us and welcomes us back and says, I love you. You know, ring on his finger, bring him a, a, you know, a, a, bring him a new set of clothes, kill the fatted calf, let's have a party. He's, this son that was lost is back. Uh, and God loves us and he loves to welcome us back. He's a good father. But I've got great news for you today is that God is not a farmer who welcomes you back to work on the farm. God is a good father who's so much more than someone who sets you to work on his farm. Yeah. 
You see, I want us to understand that God is better than we think. He's good, but he's even better than we think. Our Father has a kingdom. Our Father has a kingdom. Uh, And that's why when Jesus came, the Son of God, God the Son, when he came and was born on this earth, when he came and walked on this earth, he actually came and revealed, word means to uncover, he showed us what the Father was like and how the Father was God. And Jesus, this Jesus who reveals to us, shows us what the Father is like, he taught his disciples to pray this prayer. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth, as it is in heaven, etc. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Do you understand it? Our Father, yours is the kingdom. Our Father, this Father that, that puts his arms around us, that picture, and it's just a picture in, 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 in Luke 15. It's not the full story. Our Father is actually someone who has a kingdom. Yes. And you're not welcomed back into a family when you've wandered away and you come back to him and discover that there's a, that the embrace, the love of a father to welcome you back from your wandering. You're not put in some tatty old sofa in the lounge to watch TV on. You're welcomed into a royal kingdom. And you become a royal subject. You understand, when we talk about the kingdom of God, we're talking about family. Yeah, that's right. When we talk about family, we're talking about the kingdom of God. Yeah. You stop talking about family here and you stop talking about the kingdom. You stop talking about the kingdom and you stop talking about family. The two are interchangeable. Our Father, yours is the kingdom. Yeah. Um, you know, do you understand that we are family together here in this church community? Every church community across the land, every church community. Family, family, we're family and we're part of a kingdom. We've been welcomed into a royal kingdom. Imagine for a moment, just imagine being in the royal family in this nation. Uh, You know, what would it be like? Have you ever watched any of these? There's been a lot of it around, hasn't there, recently on the TV series. Watch The Crown, anyone? Watch Netflix, Netflix, The Crown, or watch Victoria on ITV, wasn't it, Victoria? And I've watched these. I'm not a royalist. I'm not a big royalist. I do pray because the Bible tells me to pray for rulers and all those. So I do pray for them. I, I, I would never choose. Any, anyway, I, my wife loves the royal. In fact, when we first got married, suddenly discovered she had all these cups and mugs from when Diana got married. And the queen, was, I don't know, she had them all. But, but she made me watch them. But I got interested in the royal family watching because I suddenly realized to be living in a royal family... Everything you think about is the kingdom. So even when sort of Margaret's messing around and doing all those shenanigans and everything, the, 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 the queen is speaking, you, you're, you're part of, it's the kingdom. You've got to think about the kingdom. Yeah. You can't behave like this. Yeah. Um, you watch Victoria and when she's been born, you know, there's people all around, they're just standing at the door when she's given, you know, the, the mother's given birth because they just went, this is going to be, this is a princess that's going to be born. When Charles, you know, it's a prince about to be born. It's not an ordinary person. It's a prince, a princess, someone born into a royal family. I want to tell you that you today, if you've 
given your life to Jesus and you've declared him as Lord of your life, you are in the best royal family ever. You're in a family that's much better than the family that Prince Charles is in. Meghan Markle is not about to join the best family. You've already joined it. The day you were born from above, born by the Spirit, and born into a heavenly community, you became part of this family. And therefore, today, you are a prince. You are a princess in a royal family. That's who you are. You're more than just loved as a forgiven sinner who wandered away and got the father's hug and the fattened calf killed for you. You're someone special. You have a bearing upon you. You have something to do. You're royals. You're royals. You're not ordinary people. Um, You see, you look at earthly rulers uh, and and you look in history and you will see there are, you know, there's there's some great kings and monarchs and and, and there's some, some you know, some that are less than great. Some are despots, some are benevolent. Some want to hold on to power as much as they can. Uh, You've got Donald Trump, he's not a king, I know, but you've got Donald Trump at the moment talking about, let's have a, you know, be presidents for life. <laughs> uh, you haven't heard that, but that's the latest he's talking about, I've heard. But, but, but you, you've got some that want to hold on to power and some who are willing to give away power. Um, you see, our father is the best father and he, Psalm 115, his kingdom rules over all. He does as whatever he pleases. He has absolute power. Yet what does he do? He sends his son to this earth and Jesus, the son, is able to say in Matthew 28, 18, all authority has been given to me. Jesus, the son of God, walks on this planet saying the father in this kingdom has given all his authority to me. And then Jesus turns to those who have accepted him, his disciples, and says to them in the next verse, go therefore... And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Son, the Father, and the Holy Ghost, and, and etc. And, and t- he gives them authority to go by the word of his command. The Father gives the authority to the Son, the elder brother that we have, and he puts us in charge. And says, you've now got authority, but he doesn't just send us as some soldiers of the cross. He sends us as members of this family. And he actually says in verse 20, he says, and I am with you always to the end of time. That we're sent, but we're not sent as some sort of robots. We're sent as those who go carrying his presence because he comes with us, not physically walking alongside us as he did with those disciples. That's why he says, it's better I go because if I go, I'm able to send to you the comforter, the person of God, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of Christ, the spirit of the Father, the family spirit who is in us and lives in us and everywhere we go, he goes because he's promised he'll never leave us. The spirit of Christ going with us. And as we go, so we see what will happen in Revelation 11 verse 15, that the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of our God and of his Christ. And this is what we're called to. And we know what's going to happen if we believe the Bible. 1 Corinthians 15, 24, after the kingdoms of the world of this world have become the kingdom of our God and of his Christ, then what's going to happen is Jesus is going to hand back the kingdom to the Father. It's all a family business. It's all about family. 
Um, let's be clear. Let's just get this straight. You know, because you might be thinking, well, I'm, I, you, Dave, you telling me seriously, I'm a royal. I'm, I'm, I'm more important than, than, than someone who's born into a natural royal family. Surely not. You don't know where I was born from. You don't know my family tree. You don't know my, Hey, listen, I don't know my family tree. It only goes back a couple of generations, and then it's, my granddad was left on the doorstep. One of those cases with a basket and a note uh, outside the Emmett family. And that's why I've got the name Emmett, because they took him in and all this. But, but it doesn't go back very far. Say, where were you born? Where was I born? I was born in the middle of Africa, right in the middle, on a kitchen table. No doctors or nurses around. My mum nearly died. That My parents at the time was a mud hut with mud bricks on. And, uh, and my mother at the time was... Uh, my mum and dad, they were literally, you might not believe this, but they were literally relying on angels to bring them food. Uh, and so, hey, it wasn't a very great beginning, family tree, or where I was born, how I was born. Uh, and yet, when I was four years old, just four years old, something happened. One day, I realised that I needed to cry out to Jesus to save me and to come and live in my life. I did that. And in a very simple and unsophisticated way as a four-year-old, I asked Jesus to be my saviour and to be Lord of my life. Ever since then, my status has been that I have been a prince in the kingdom. I've been a prince in the kingdom. Um, you know, I want to ask you, what's your story? doesn't matter what your background is. doesn't matter how much, you've, how much you've messed up in the past. doesn't matter if you haven't got a family tree you can trace back. It really doesn't matter. But everybody needs a story. Yeah. If you're going to be in this family, you have to have a story. You can't say, oh, I was born in a Christian family. Rubbish. <laughs> you have to be born from above, born again, yeah. to be part of this family. Um, you see... You say, Dave, born again? What's this? This doesn't, you know, I don't understand that. Well, the club, because there was a man called Nicodemus, a Pharisee, a ruler of the Jews, who once came to Jesus by night in John chapter 3, and Jesus started talking to him in this way. He said, what, born again? What are you talking about? Does a man have to enter his mother's womb a second time? But Jesus was quite clear. Unless, John 3 verse 3, Jesus said to him, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Uh, And To be part of this royal family, there has to come that moment when you suddenly say, it's been like a rebirth, a spiritual, no matter what my past has been, good or bad, no matter how rich or no matter how poor, no matter what sort of sexual orientation I've had, no matter what uh, social background I've had, no matter where I've come from, something's happened to me where I've been born from above And now my DNA is not from my past history. My DNA comes from heaven. And I've got, it's that that defines me. It's my spiritual rebirth. And anyone can experience that. Jesus said in John 1 verse 12, As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become sons and daughters of God. That's your identity. Family, kingdom. Kingdom, family. This family business for us to do in this kingdom. You know, Hebrews 2, verse 11. It says that Jesus is not ashamed to call those who own his name brothers and sisters. So if he's not ashamed to call you a brother or a sister, why don't you say, I'm not ashamed to say I'm a prince. I'm a princess in the kingdom. Uh, Hebrews 2 Verse 11 says that, and Romans 8, 29 refers to Jesus as the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. I want, 
what I want you to understand is, yes, you've had teaching about being welcomed into the family, the father putting his arms around you. But I want you to understand today that it means so much more than forgiveness to be born into a royal family. It means so much more than just having your sins forgiven and I'm okay now. If I die, I go to heaven when I die. The grace of God is so much more than the unmerited favor of God. The grace of God, the word actually means is gift. The grace of God is the gift of the presence of God, the empowering presence of God, the Holy Spirit, living in you, enabling you to live on a totally different level. Um, you see... You're welcomed into a royal family. You're more than children. Look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 16 and 17 there. It says there, The Spirit, capital S, God the Holy Spirit, himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs or co-heirs with Christ. That's who you are. Stop and think a minute. Come, Holy Spirit, and reveal this to us now. Uh, show us the truth of this word. We are royals. We're heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. Jesus is our brother, uh, our elder brother. We're brothers and sisters, sons and daughters in this family together. Uh, don't you just say to the person next to you, I'm an heir of God. I'm a joint heir with Christ. Do you understand for you to be able to say it, you might just be mumbling it to keep me happy, or you might be saying it and really getting it. For you to be able to say that and understand it, and for that to be true, a tremendous price had to be paid. 1 Peter 1 verse 18, uh, Peter writes there that we were bought, you know, redeemed from the old way of life. We were bought not with corruptible things such as silver or gold, but we were bought with the precious, redeemed with the precious, 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 precious blood of Christ. Um, that's expensive. That's priceless. Yeah. The blood of Jesus is the price that was paid for you to be able to say, I'm not just welcome back into the family. Actually, I am an heir, a co-heir with Christ. Um, you know, you don't pay a big price. For a football player and then put him on the substitutes bench, do you? Well, so I know some managers do, but, but, but you, you, you don't do. You know, I, I want to say to you, because you've been redeemed with such a, a, an incredibly expensive price, there actually is no substitutes bench in this kingdom. There's no subs bench. You're all star players. Yeah. Everyone, there's not someone being bought at a cheaper price than someone else. You are equally precious in God's eyes because it's the blood of Christ. There is nobody here that can say, well, I'm happy to sit back and let everybody else do this kingdom work. No, there are no substitutes. There's no substitutes bench. Every one of us is called to play our part yeah. in this kingdom, right. in this family, but because we're heirs and co-heirs yeah, with Christ. Right. We're royalty. Yeah. Your father is not Jose Mourinho and put you on a substitute's bench. You've got a good father who says you have a starring role yeah. to play today. Yeah. Lights, camera, action every time you get up in the morning. Yeah. In the heavenly realms, angels are watching and waiting to see what you do. In fact, all of creation is waiting to see what you'll do. Uh, I am 20 years ago. I was walking up from the bus stop, coming up to King's House, past on Oxford Road, where the BBC building used to be. 
And as I said before, I'm not a great royalist. But anyway, coming up, walking up towards where the steps are to go up to the BBC, and suddenly these police cars suddenly zoom in, you know, and then they put up the barriers, blocking the pavement. Excuse me, I'm trying to get to work. No, you can't. You've got to wait now. What's happening? Why have I got to wait? Putting up the barriers. Then more and more people are beginning to wait. People start asking questions, just like me. Why are we having to wait? We want to carry on. Why are you putting these barriers up, stopping us from walking past? And then one of the policemen let the cat out of the bag. He says, Prince Charles is coming. Prince Charles, the heir to the throne. Prince Charles, the heir to the throne is coming. I wasn't impressed. <laughs> Everybody else was, was really, really happy. I think I want to get to work. Prince Charles, we're going to see Prince Charles. Anyway, I got sucked up to it. It was only around about two or three minutes. I got to, I think Prince Charles is coming. So I, like, the bug got to me. It was contagious, the excitement. Prince Charles is coming. I was like, yeah, Prince Charles is coming. Let's see what happens. It's Prince Charles is coming. Everybody goes, wow. I was just thinking, everyone's excited. What, I haven't really bothered up, but what's he going to do? Prince Charles is coming. What's he going to do? He's going to do something amazing. This is Prince Charles. We don't get excited about nothing. Prince Charles is coming. I keep waiting and excitement is mounting. Prince Charles is about to be revealed to us. Two little cars come zooming down with flashing blue lights. They open up the door. Out steps. Prince Charles. I'm just like, he was when James went, Prince Charles. I think, what's he going to do? What will this prince do? You know, is he going to bring world peace? Is he going to... What's going to happen? Prince Charles gets out of the car. He might have said hello uh, under his lips as he walked up the steps. I was crestfallen. I'd just been waiting and waiting and waiting for the prince, the heir to the United Kingdom, to be revealed... And he got out the car and just walked by. I was a little disappointed, to be honest. I thought he'd do more than that. This was Prince Charles. Go back to that passage in in Romans 8. It says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we also may be glorified with him. For I consider, Paul says, that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation, listen to this, the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons and daughters of God. J.B. Phillips paraphrases that last verse. The whole creation is on tiptoe. Waiting to see the wonderful sight of the sons and daughters of God coming into their own. Are you beginning to understand the cosmic significance of who you are? That creation itself is waiting for sons and daughters of God, us, to be revealed. For us, as J.B. Phillips writes, to come into our own. For us to understand who we are. We are royals. We're not ordinary people. I... You know, you go out and you look at creation. I I think, you know, the sea is waiting for somebody to walk on it again, just as Jesus did. I think, you know, I've got, you have poplar trees, trees in the garden. I look at them sometimes and think, you're waiting, aren't you, for me to hear something in the tops of the trees, just as happened with David in 2 Samuel 5, when the noise they made, somebody got hold of it and knew that's God speaking through the blowing of the wind in the tops of the trees. 
I believe, you know, even the sun and moon, just as happened in, 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 in Joshua, uh, you know, that, uh, Joshua 10, that just waiting for somebody who's doing kingdom business to say, stop, don't move, because we need to get some work done, finished. I, I believe there's a rock somewhere that's waiting in, in some thirsty, drought-stricken land for someone to come and hit me and let water come and, and, and drink come. To thirsty people, just as happened with Moses. I believe, you know, there are clouds that are waiting on tiptoe in in, in other drought-stricken areas and waiting for someone to speak the word, just as Elijah did after three and a half years of no rain, saying, let it rain, let rain come, and for rain to come and and give, you know, sustenance to the land and, and cause crops to grow. The creation is waiting for the sons of God. If you say, do what, Dave, Dave, come on, you're getting exaggerating now. James writes, Elijah was a man just like us, and yet he prayed. Dave, you're going into stuff beyond that I would even dream of asking the Son of Man. Okay, how about creation including your work colleagues? How about creation including that sick person you meet in the supermarket aisle? How about, really, it's not just nature. It is that as well, I believe. But how about we scale it down a bit and we begin to put it in a way we can understand and perhaps have got faith for at the moment. Maybe in the staff room tomorrow, when you go to work, there's people waiting for someone not to be thermostats who just turn around and say, oh, it's a really miserable... The thermometers who just turn around and say, it's a really miserable atmosphere here, everyone's on But they're waiting for people to be thermostats who change the atmosphere. Yeah, that's right. Because they're sons and daughters of yeah. God. They're royals. They come in where they go. They change the atmosphere. How about this? That sick person you see passes your road every day. They're just waiting for someone to hear from God, maybe through the blowing of the wind and the tops of a tree, that I'm going to pray for them. Yeah. And see them healed. Because we're not just talking about things that ordinary people can do. We have the indwelling, empowering presence of God, the Holy Spirit within us. And we are royals. Do we begin to understand our cosmic significance? That creation itself is waiting for us to come into our own. Because creation itself, Paul writes in Romans 8, has been subject to the bondage of decay. And if creation sees humanity redeemed and set free from the curse, then creation itself knows that one day it can too. It's hope for creation that there can be no more global warming, no more fracking, no more tsunamis, no more earthquakes, no more things that have come into creation as a result of the fall because creation sees the sons and daughters of God coming into their own. You know, the glory of the Lord, Habakkuk writes, is going to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. In the Old Covenant, tabernacle of Moses, filled with glory. The Temple of Solomon, filled with glory. How much more do you think God's heart is to fill this house, this community, his wonderful, special, royal family with the glory of God? You know, God could do it so much on his own, but he puts us in charge and says, you're in charge because you're royals. And, and, and you can get on and do these things. Our Father, yours is the kingdom. Our Father, yours is the kingdom. Can, can we pray? Lord, we just say thank you. Thank you for who we are. And we say, Lord, thank you, even as we've been looking at loved lovers, loving others, that we'll realize more and more, Lord, that we're, we're, we're not ordinary mortals, Lord. We're... we're, we're we're princes and princesses. Lord, this, eh, 
Lord, help us to get over the uh, lack of belief that would cause us to see this as some sort of fairy tale that doesn't impact our daily lives. We say, Lord, Holy Spirit, come and let your word, let the truth of your word that we're heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ, reach deep into our hearts, Lord, that this week as you send us into this world, Lord, that we make a difference, Lord, that we're willing to hear your voice. We're willing to speak your word. We're willing to do the works that you've prepared in advance for us to do. And we say, speak to us, Lord, and let your will be done, we say. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.